And we are live with Living the Guide Life podcast today. Just got back from doing some turkey scouting down south. And uh, they're starting to strut around up here in Minnesota. So things are looking promising. Did a little fishing while I was down there. Did some gun breaking with the dog. Um, finally got her under some gunfire. Um, basically what we did was shooting a twenty-two at a decent, decent range, probably about 70 yards. Throwing the bumper, her going to retrieve and just keep gradually coming closer, about five, ten yards um, every time until I was shooting right over the top of her head. And then just did the same thing over with my 12 gauge. So the biggest thing is just watching your dog and understanding if they are getting nervous when the gunshot's going off or if they're just staying focused on the bumper, um, then she's good to go. And I never ran into anything. She was always dialed in. When she heard that gunshot, she knew that a bump was being thrown. And that was her reward. And that's what she was going to go get. So pretty successful weekend on gun breaking. And uh, I can't complain too much. But this week we are brought to you by Bourbon Media. And I'll give them a second here. If you're a small business owner in the outdoor industry, we get it. The words digital marketing can be intimidating. You're a grunt work, sweat it out, bust your chops kind of person who's addicted to progress and put all of your time and energy into operating your business. We at Bourbon Media can help you push it even further. We're digital marketing experts. I'm talking web development, content creation, social media management, SEO, paid advertising, the whole nine yards. And as fellow outdoorsmen, we know the industry. Keep your business up to date and expand your reach with digital marketing that is directed at your core market. We are Bourbon Media. Cheers to progression. And that wraps things up for Bourbon Media. If you haven't checked out their subscription websites, I'm going to tell you once and I'm going to tell you again, if you're an outfitter looking to, you know, up your game and have a great place for clients to go check out your stuff, I would highly recommend looking at them. Also, we are brought to you by Mallard Bay. And same thing, if you're a new outfitter and you want a place where clients can go book straight to you um, from all across the country, it's a great place for young, early outfitters to get out there and uh, put your name on Mallard Bay. I would highly recommend it. I was able to book some clients with them last year and uh, nothing but good things over there. So, and also we are brought to you by Pacific Calls. Go check out their turkey stuff, guys. They're coming out with a bunch of calls right now. They're producing them like crazy for turkey hunting. They just dropped their new film um, produced by them and, uh, We'll actually be doing a call giveaway here pretty soon, probably within the next two weeks. So keep an eye out for that. I'm going to be running their mouth call for turkey hunting this year, and uh, I'm super pumped about it. So you guys should definitely go check that out. We are also brought to you by Chasing Fowl Outfitters. If you haven't went and looked us up, make sure to get in our books um, for next season. Prime dates are starting to fill up. So you're not going to want to miss out on an uh, awesome time up in Minnesota. It'll be a real treat to meet some of you guys and uh, get to share a blind with you. So give me a shout and uh, we'll figure it all out. Um, but today we have Joey Vassalero, one of the owners of Midwest Flyways on with us. And uh, 
Joey's awesome. I love Joey. He's so much fun to talk to, so much fun to BS with. Uh, if he's not giving you a hard time, he doesn't like you that much. So it's a super, super fun podcast we do, just talking about Midwest flyways and uh, stuff that's going on in Minnesota and hunting around Minnesota, also talking about guiding and different stuff like that where, you know, people are able to do different things. And he talks about, you know, guiding's not for him. But uh, he's had a blast doing some of it and also just some of the stuff that they got going on for Midwest Flyways that'll be uh, coming up here in the future. Um, also, give him some feedback on what you think about a subscription site for their podcast and videos and stuff like that. Um, reach out to him if you think that's a great idea. Shoot him a message and I know he'd be willing to... Uh, that he just needs to see the following that um, people want so I know you guys will enjoy this one I had a super fun time with Joey he's always a pleasure to chat with and uh, I hope you guys enjoy let me know that you're recording oh yeah we're ready to rock and roll now that's dude that's the luxury of having Zoom. got the mics hard yeah that's the thing you your fridge is full of beer and mine just ran out so i just dug through the liquor cabinet it's gross it's gross but i'm not going to not drink while we do this so yeah 100 percent. that's one of the main things to do while you do a podcast but it's like the only reason why I have my own podcast, you know, yeah. sit. so my wife can't get mad at me for drinking, you know? Exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah. I am with you on that. I mean, gives me a reason to drink every night. That's all you can do. <laughs> I'll shut up. I'll shut up. You do your thing. We're ready to go. And, uh, I mean, we're live living the guy life podcast. And we have Joey. Masala one, one of the owners of Midwest Flyways. So we're drinking and we're having a good time. How you doing, brother? I'm just woofing. I'm just woofing down a sandwich, man. Drinking yeah. some Mike's Hard. Loving Mike's Mike. Hard. What kind of Mike's Hard is it? It's their seltzer. Oh, is that? It's their seltzer. It's a pineapple. It's not very good. Not gonna lie, it's not very good. No, yeah, I saw that. And I was, uh, yeah, I'd rather have a bush light, I suppose. Oh, any day, any day, any day of the week. Well, thanks for having me on, Chance. I appreciate it. Anytime, dude. Thanks for jumping on. I have, uh, well, I've been thinking about having you on. I just kept forgetting to shoot you a message, and I was like, shit, I better shoot Joey a message, see what he's up to. He's got a bunch of life changes coming up, so. We'll see what that's all yeah, about. Yeah, well, and I'm very forgettable, too, so don't blame yourself. I'm just a very forgettable person, so don't <laughs> don't worry about it. Oh, uh, dude, yeah, are you, uh, I was just thinking about back at your place when we were at Game Fair. That was a fucking blast. That was a fun little get-together oh, at your place. The party? Yeah. Yeah, that, was, that got a little out of hand pretty quick, didn't it? Yeah. There was like 70 people in my front yard. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was packed. (laughs) 
Yeah, I, I won't up. say any names, but I know I know a couple people drank and drove, and it made me very upset. Yeah, but you know, yeah. it's okay. It's okay. Yeah, it happens, I suppose. Don't I drink mean, and we, drive, kids. Yeah, we were lucky. We had uh, we had Hunter, little seventeen-year-old. So we're like, Hunter, you're just rocking sober cap tonight. It's perfect. <laughs> God, yeah, those are pretty nice. Yeah. Right now, I've got a a pregnant wife. And so uh, she's my sober cab for like the next God knows how many months. So she's done breastfeeding, you know? So yeah, that's perfect. Oh, I love that. <laughs> that? I love that. <laughs> going, going into summer, dude, going out on the boat with my friends and just being like, Hey, you can't drink today. So yeah. I'm going to. Sorry, hon. So sorry. Uh, I'll drink for the two of us. Yeah, I'll exactly. drink for the two of us. Don't worry about it. Yeah, you'll drink <laughs> enough for you know everybody. You'll one for her, one for the kid. Oh, exactly. Yep. Yeah. One yeah. One for the one new for puppy the coming. Yeah. yeah. Exactly, dude. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, I I haven't talked about this on our podcast yet, but um, getting a new dog on April twenty third. It's going to be a black lab male. And uh, I already have a nine-year-old mix rescue lab. And um, so, yeah, I'm ready to make this next dog just a maniac, Yeah, you know? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Are you going to do the training yourself or are you going to send them off? No, I'm going to for sure get the force fetching done by someone else. Yeah. And then um, I'll I'll probably spend probably like uh, 1600 bucks in training is my hope. Hopefully I don't go over that, but yeah. But yeah, dogs and training and all that stuff is fucking expensive. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's expensive, man. Oh, there's no question about it. Like, I got the um, CGA, like, training, um, like, videos or whatever for, like, 600 bucks. And, I mean, it's been great. Like, with my pup, she's learning really well. And, like, I can't complain too much. I just didn't want to send her off to somebody else because I got all the time in the world to train so i'm like mm-hmm. i just talk to people that i know that are you know dog trainers or i watch like stay updated on those videos and just kind of go from there but i mean i got sure i got i got all the time in the world oh yeah what are you like 20 years old or what 21 officially 21 you well you yourself are a pup yeah okay. oh yeah some of us are turning 20 20- some of us are turning 29 this month, have a baby on the way. Okay. So some of us are a lot older than you. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Some people don't have the uh, time like I do to train a pup. <clears throat> yeah. I did have the time. I got my first dog when I was 20 and I did have the time to train her, but little did I know that I messed up and I made the kennel, the bad place, you know? So like when she did something bad, I put her in her kennel and now she hates being in the kennel, you know? So that was a big boo-boo for me yeah. that I'm definitely not going to do a second time. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, I, I got really lucky with her though. And, uh, she's very naturally birdie, yeah. which is just epic as hell. She can run not like a, a traditional blind where you just say back and they run 300 yards. till you whistle and tell them to go a different direction. Yeah. But if I, you know, like duck opener is crazy in Minnesota. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you're dropping ducks in the cattails. I mean, a human's never going to find it, but like no. throughout the hunt, my dog will just bring back ducks out of the cattails that fell 200 yards back. It's just like, this is why I got a dog. 
you know, because yeah. so I don't have to get out of the boat every 15 seconds and I don't have to trudge through the cattails and almost yeah. have a heart attack in 80 yeah. degree weather because our opener is ridiculous. Oh, you yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. Stupid. <laughs> yeah. Dude, why yeah. they closed it a season earlier this or a week earlier this year pissed me off so much. How they went from the first earlier? for the South Zone. Because it was the first oh. weekend in December and then it switched to the last week in November. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I forgot they did that this year. That was weird. Yeah. That sucked. I mean, I, was, I mean realistically, realistically, they should keep our season open through the end of December. For 100%. Box. But Auburn Mallards get here second week of December and they sit in the holding ponds on the highways and the, yep. and the townhome complexes yep. in the city, you know. And then by the time it's primetime goose hunting season in December, then they start bombing your goose spread. And it's like, you know what? <laughs> I am just... <laughs> I'm going to lose my damn mind. You're watching all these Susies but, come in and you can't shoot them. Dude, I know. And like, I will kill a Susie if I'm feeling it, but, but no, I'm, I'm pretty much a greenhead purist at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Naturally. Yeah. I don't know why they, yeah. I don't know why they have it so early. They should just, I would way rather have it pushed into October and ran through. <laughs> yeah. But I think, Scott Trinan knows a lot more about it, but most of the people that buy a license uh, hunt for like the first two weeks because yeah. it's fair weather. Yeah. Oh. And yeah. so they would lose a lot of license sales if they switch. It is what you know the consensus is, the theory, hypothesis, whatever you want to call it. It's, I mean, in my opinion, is dumb. I think what they should do is they should have like a secondary license that you can buy, get more revenue for the state for the hardcore hunters. Make it like a $15 license for the first two weeks of December or last two weeks of December, whatever it is, give the ducks a rest and then bang them the last two weeks. And yeah. I think they'd have a record amount of sales. And then also it'd probably push more ducks down the flyway and, you know, yeah. there's a whole bunch of benefits. Oh yeah. I feel but like maybe I'm dumb. Yeah. So who knows? <laughs> I feel, no, yeah. hundred percent. Cause I feel like everybody likes to do what you're saying is hunt fair weather. Also, I feel like most Minnesotans are hunting water too. And so once the yeah. like lakes freeze up, they think like there's no more birds left. The amount of times like I've seen that posted on like the Facebooks and stuff like that. And they're like, oh, all the ducks are yeah. and like people yeah. are being serious. And I'm like, what? They're everywhere. <laughs> well, it's because they grew up hunting water. Yeah. You know, and then they and then they grow up and they see people pounding them in fields and they get turned down on permission one time. Then they're like, oh, I can't hunt fields. In reality, yeah. it's just a, a numbers game. You got to keep knocking and knocking and yeah. find the one guy that will let you on. And then yeah, you'll be good. And then cultivate that relationship for life and you're good. Yeah, you're golden. Yeah, I don't know. But anyway, I'm rambling. So yeah, it is what it is. But I wanted to hear more about how you got into hunting and how Midwest flyways all started and all that kind of fun stuff. You want to hear how I got into hunting? Yeah. My, my dad took me out when I was young. Fair enough. It's like the most, that's like the most generic question that anyone could ask on a hunting <laughs> podcast is how they got into hunting. It's like, <clears throat> Oh, I hate that question, but I will humor you. Yeah. My dad, 
uh, didn't start hunting until he was 27. Okay. And he um, had me when he was like closer to 40 or like 36, something like that. Oh, wow. And uh, he took my older sister out every day. That was his first son, yeah. you know, so he took her everywhere with him hunting. And um, then when he had me, his first son, he or his only son, he uh, brought me out of the blind when I was like a year and a half years old. And I was just in the blind poking the duck's eyes out with like a stick. I just freaking loved it. And then I started shooting my first gun probably when I was like six. I should say shotgun when I was six and it scared the shit out of me. Yeah. And then uh, really got more in. I went with him all the time, but the shotgun recoil just freaked me out up until I was about 10. Yeah. And then started hammering ducks with my dad. So, so yeah, it's been in my blood for a very, very long time. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. So I'm almost 29. I'm almost 29, so I've been hunting for 27 and a half years. Yeah, that's a good minute. That's a long time. Yeah. You know, and you'd think I'd kill more birds having done it that long, but you know, I'm just not chance Pratt. So. Oh no, no, no. <laughs> hey, <laughs> hey, hey, no, it's uh it's a lot of fun. It's uh yeah, I mean I've only been hunting for like what is it, like 10 years now? I only started hunting when I was like eleven when I got my when I got my firearm safety. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's usually how it goes though. You know, that's, I mean, that's right around the time that everyone starts hunting. Yeah. Or I should say most, most people who grew up in a state like ours. Yeah. hundred percent. Family members and all that. And I'm guessing your dad or your uncle or grandpa took you out. Nope. My family doesn't hunt. Oh, so you went out by yourself. I had, uh, I had a mentor. So my neighbor, he was like, yeah, he's about, he's probably about 29 now, 28, 29. And my uh, family was going to get a, like, pheasant dog for me. So then he brought his dogs over to show us, like, what he's got and, like, describe, like, the kennel he got them for and everything. And then he started taking me out after that. So that's how cool. I got into the whole waterfalling deal. Pheasant. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, because my family doesn't hunt. Like, that's too bad. Yeah. Have you taken your dad out since you started hunting or no? I've taken him out pheasant hunting. That's about all he'll do. Cause he's like, he's from Florida originally. And so <laughs> he loves golf and all that shit. And so it's like, if it's above like 45 degrees, he'll go pheasant up and go walk the field with me. But other than that, he's like, ah, I'll pass. Fair weather hunter, man. Yeah. Oh, exactly. I get it. I mean, we're dumb for going out. <clears throat> I don't know if you ever hunted down south in like Louisiana, Kansas, or anything like that. When it's cold down there, man, the it'll be the coldest I've ever been was twenty three degrees in Louisiana, and I mean the coldest I've ever been in my entire life. And it was a hundred percent humidity. It cut through my Sitka like I've never experienced in my life. Like the inside of my bones were tired, like were cold. Jeez. It was the worst. It was the worst I've ever been. My toes were numb in under an hour, and uh, and I had sixteen hundred gram insulate boots and yeah. wool socks. I mean, I was I was dressed for it. And I didn't sweat nothing. I was just cold. Hmm. It was bad. Is so, it just the humidity I, like, down there? Insane to do that. I think it's the humidity. Yeah, it just cuts through your clothing and it just gets on your skin. 
and it just makes you so cold. Yeah. It was terrible. It was so bad. <laughs> so, oh. Yeah. Fuck that. You know, cause I'm sure when you were growing, I'm sure when you were growing up, you know, there'd be a snow advisory or cold weather advisory and you wouldn't have to go to school. The coldest I've ever seen it get in Minnesota was negative 52. Yeah. And you know, you just didn't go outside. Yeah. But you know, like the coldest I've ever hunted in was like negative 29 on devil's Lake in North Dakota. And it was oh, like, geez. it was way worse than that. Way worse than that by far. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that's crazy that. down there. Yeah. <clears throat> cause yeah, I mean, I feel like up here, as long as we don't have the wind, it's fine. I mean, if we have sun, I no big deal, but down mm-hmm. there, I can imagine it's a whole different environment. Oh yeah. No, it's, it's got awful down there. I don't know why anyone lives down there. Yeah. And like the summer anymore down there anyway. Yeah. Like summers. I don't know how people, I don't know how people deal with all that. Oh, I mean like, you know, Wade Shoemaker, he, you know, he lives in Louis. That's who I hunted with down there. We hunted with as Midwest flyways, but, um, you know, I'm like, dude, how do you like survive in the summertime? How are you just constantly soaked in sweat and okay with it? Yeah. It's like 80 to hundred percent humidity every day, whether it's summer or winter. Yeah. And it's like a hundred degrees with a hundred percent humidity. Like I would never go outside. It's like, oh man, you get used to it. You know, you just, yeah. Yeah. Like you're fucking insane. No, <laughs> no, not at all. Like this past summer mm-hmm. was hot for us. But I felt like I was sweating every time I stepped outside. Oh yeah. And you could yeah. never get a break. No. And I'm on roofs every day too. So it's like an extra 30 degrees hotter up on the asphalt up there. Oh, Ugh. Ugh. Yeah. I'm good. Yeah. I don't need any of that. Mm-mm. Cause I mean, I would want to go like work on shit outside and I'm just like, it's way too hot. I got to wait till like the afternoon when it cools down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, early in the morning or late afternoon. Yeah. That's what you got. No, but you were, uh, what was the second part of your question? You're asking how I got into hunting and then how Midwest, Midwest Flyways started. Yeah. So Midwest Flyways is a media company and we filmed duck and goose hunts. And then the way that our channel like got bigger or whatever was through um, duck and goose calling tutorials on YouTube. Yeah. And um, the way that it started was I took my one of my best friends, Cal Ness, out about eight years ago now, um, duck hunting for his first time. I had to drag his fat ass into the boat, and uh, he didn't have a pair of waders. And I took him to this huge lake in like a 1436 boat. Yeah, He was white-knuckling white the gunwales, you know. He was just scared shitless, and I had to, like, push him up on the cattail ledge. And, uh, <clears throat> like, we didn't shoot hardly any ducks. But finally, a hen gadwall lands in the water, and he just water swatted it. you know and he was just he's never been the same ever since yeah you know and then uh you know the next year we went out hunting together a lot more and um he fell in love with it and he's like dude we could do some really cool shit uh we should like make videos of this stuff man i went on youtube and there's no one doing it yeah and like it could blow up and i was like oh that sounds pretty cool he's like but there's a thing we should have connor do it do all the filming because um he's really good at it 
And Connor and I went to school together since sixth grade, and we were just mortal enemies. Mortal en- enemies. Terrible. I hated him. He hated me. So we, uh, you know, fixed our stuff between the two of us, and we went out and hunted a couple of times. And made He made some unbelievable videos that first year. Yeah. And, um, I mean, he's, he's one of the best videographers, photographers in the outdoor industry, for sure. Oh, yeah. I, if anyone... If anyone likes photography and videography, you should go check out his Instagram. It's just Connor Allstad. Yeah. And he is just unbelievable. You know, he just has an eye for it. And so, and that's how Midwest Flyways was born. So I was like the person who knew all the stuff about uh, waterfowl hunting just because I've been doing it since I was a kid. Yeah. And then uh, Connor does all the filming, editing, and photography. And then Cal's job is to get us money so that we can do this. Yeah. And, you know, he's dealing with sponsorships and all that. But, you know, the, the roles kind of, you know, interchange and yeah, all that stuff. Everything changes as you go on. I think this was our fifth year doing it. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's like one of the funnest things I've ever done. And I've met some of the coolest people from farmers to guides to companies to... I mean, everyone in the waterfowl industry, like we all have something in common. We like to, for whatever reason, get up at 3 Mm a.m., you know, drink a bunch of coffee, drink an energy drink, put way too much nicotine into our bodies, and then go and sit up next to a tree in a bunch of cattails in a cornfield and shoot birds, call in birds and kill them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so everyone has like a little bit in common. And then a lot of us are in blue collar. You know, yeah. and I'm in construction. A lot of people are in construction, road construction, whatever. And uh, there's just, it's such a tight-knit community. It's so much fun to be in and be around. And, um, yeah, I just love it, man. Yeah. I love it. I'm never going to stop doing it. That's oh, yeah. for sure. Yeah. No, and I mean, everyone gets along. Like, when we all went to your place, I mean, I probably didn't know half the people there. Then by the end of it, it was like everyone's best friends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah everybody i mean everybody gets along so well it's just how Mm -hmm. it is in the community like go to games yeah until there's you know until there's a bunch of crown royal involved or something and (laughs) you have competing companies going against each other and yeah whatever there's always like drama there's so much drama in this industry it's kind of crazy but um you know, at the end of the day, we all love the same thing. And for the most part, everyone gets along at my party. I was surprised how every, how well everyone got along. Yeah. So, I mean, that was for everyone who wasn't there. We game fair is a huge waterfowl outdoor convention and all that. And, um, every companies come from all over the country to come and present their stuff at the Anoka game fair. And everyone just goes to the bar afterwards and spends hundreds of dollars at the bar. And I'm like, stop. Everyone should just come to my house this year yeah. for one night. And uh, we'll have a party. We'll have fun. You don't have to spend a whole lot of money. Just bring a case of beer and you're yeah. good to go. And for whatever reason, 70 plus people ended up showing up. And it was a little overwhelming. But, you know, I had a bunch of barbecue and stuff made for people. And that was gone in the first 30 minutes. Yeah. It was just like, oh my god! Like there were so many damn people here, but it was a lot of fun. So, yeah, yeah I think I want to do that again this next year. But 
we'll see how it works with uh with my wife having a baby in june yeah you know we'll see how that goes <laughs> so, <laughs> probably not you know to have a screaming baby inside yeah oh yeah i hear you on that yeah i mean it's always a fun time no matter what's going on at game fair game fair is just a super fun place to be it is really fun like yeah, I've been gone for like seven years. I'm doing a podcast. Yeah. 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 So get out of the kitchen. Get out of here. Get out of here. <laughs> Roy, you want to be on the podcast? More than welcome Sounds to. Good. Yeah. Sam said you're more than welcome to. So, all right, now get out. <laughs> anyway, sorry, we can edit that out. We can edit that out. Oh, yeah. We'll figure it out. No worries. What have you been doing? I know you you're know. out with uh, Bennett this spring out in South Dakota and Whiteman. How was that? Yep. That was fun, dude. I, uh, <clears throat> you know, and here's, here's something for you. Cause I know you're a guide as well. So like, I'm, I'm nothing special in the waterfowl industry. You know, I'm just a guy who's put up some videos and I'm just the guy behind the cam or in front of the camera, you know? And, um, you know, but I tell everyone, especially even like semi-advanced waterfowlers, advanced waterfowlers, I think everyone should hire a guide once a year. Yeah. Because you can learn so much from other people because so many people get stuck in their old ways of, yeah. you know, I, I do goose calling lessons and people will say, hey, um, I feel like I'm just doing the same cadence over and over again. I want to learn something new, you know, yeah. and if you're hunting with the same people all the time you're not going to learn anything new. So what's yeah. really fortunate about Midwest Flyways is I've gotten to hunt with God knows how many people, you know, it's yeah. incredible. And I've learned so much from kids who know way less than me, but it's just area specific to where they hunt. And I learned a new cadence on the goose call that worked great in a certain situation. It's in yeah. the back of my mind forever. Yeah. You know, I, I always try to learn something from every hunt, whether birds are working really well or they're not, blah, blah, blah. So you were just saying I was out, in uh, Henry, South Dakota, with Trevor Bennett and Jake Whiteman. So my wife and I went out there as she's pregnant to shoot yeah. <laughs> to shoot snow geese, and we banged them up pretty good, man. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, <clears throat> you know Jake's been hunting snows for a long time. Bennett's obviously very good at hunting snows. Yeah, and um, we we're hunting out of a migrator pit, and uh, lots of full bodies, lots of socks. And uh, directional e-calling, you know, yeah. moving around the horn, two snow flags, and um, what they did worked. It was, it was awesome. I've never, I mean, I've decoyed snows quite a bit because I helped a guy uh, guide them for like four years. But yeah, you know, it's so hit or miss with snows. Yeah. So it was really good to uh, go out there with my wife and get her on some snows decoying in the spread where she knows she's got a couple. You know, that was yeah. that was really cool. So I hired Jake to stay at the lodge and shoot snows for an evening and a, and a morning hunt. <clears throat> and then went back to Minnesota. Okay. Nice. A lot of fun. A How long of a drive was it out there? About four hours. Okay. That's, that's not bad. bad. Yeah. That's not bad. I'm like right around, I'm right around Maple Grove. Yeah. If you know where that is. Yeah. Yeah. So my dad has a place in South Dakota. And so I stopped on the way there and on the way back, you know, put all of those snow, we cut all the snows up at the cabin and marked them and 
all that jazz. And I'm going back out there this weekend or maybe it's next weekend to um, grind them up and turn them into goose sausage and all that. I love eating snow geese, man. It's yeah. so good. Yeah. I don't care what anyone says. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah, dude. I mean, if you, if you process it right, it's anything's good. You just have to cook it right. It's literally the most basic thing. Like all my early goose stuff, I literally was just had it in a crock pot for like the entire season of early goose. That's all I ate was just pulled goose. Never cleaned it or you never just, cleaned the crock pot. <laughs> no, I just kept throwing geese in. I was just like, yep, one after another. <laughs> and so I love that. Yeah, it was, it was good. Cause Carly Somerville told me about a recipe that's like you throw the coffee in the crock pot for like 24 hours. And then, yeah, dude, it's super good. Cause it like, you put your goose breast in the crock pot, put a pot of coffee in for 24 hours on low. And then you pour the coffee out and like your goose breasts look like they are covered in like cow shit. Cause it like pulls all the acid stuff and like all like just the nasty stuff out of it. And then you spray them off, pour a thing of barbecue sauce in, butter, and uh, an onion. And then you let that sit on low for eight hours. And then it's just fucking delicious. You know, I'm not saying that that's not a good idea. It just sounds like way too much work. Yeah. You know, way too much time. Sounds like way too much time for me, man. I found way better, easier, foolproof ways to cook a goose. Yeah, where I don't want to throw up, you know, or feed it to the dog. Yeah, and that sounds like what is that a twenty-four hour process total? Well, no, you gotta. I mean, it only takes fifteen minutes because you just put it in and then you let it sit for twenty-four hours, and then you come back, clean it off, put it back in, and then you're golden. You know how many waterfowlers you know (laughs) that remember things all the time? Oh, like remember that they have goose in the crockpot or. Even better yet, plan ahead. Yeah. <laughs> None. I, I maybe know like four. They're all yeah. over 40. You yeah. Know? Uh-huh. Half these guys forget they have a girlfriend. Half of these guys forget they have a girlfriend all waterfowl season, you know? Much less that there's a fucking goose in the crockpot. <laughs> uh, that is the truth. That okay. is the truth. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to boil some coffee on low for 48 hours. Then you're going to put the goose in the crock pot for another 24. Then you're going to rinse it off. It's going to look like shit, but you're going to rinse it off. And you're going to put it in the barbecue. No, dude. No. No one's fucking doing that. No one's fucking doing that shit. Come on. 40, 40 or over. That's all it is. That's for all my listeners over 40. Because they're the only people that are going to use it. <laughs> Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you, I've said it once, I'll say it a billion times. Here's what you do. You cut it into inch cubes, right? You put it in a metal bowl and okay. you wash it. Like you just, you take the breast, you get all the feathers off of it. I personally take a little bit more time to clean the breast. I know people can clean a goose in 24 seconds. Good for you. You know, I don't like to eat feathers and BBs, so I don't do that. And uh, you put it in a big bowl and you dump a bunch of milk in the bowl. Same thing, pulls out the enzymes, the iron, and the blood. Pulls the blood out of the meat. Let it sit there for an hour or two. It's going to turn bright red or pink. Dump out the milk. Put more milk in there. Put it in the fridge. After that second thing of milk, you are good. It does not taste gamey at all. 
and then you just cook it exactly how you want. Yeah. Super what kind of milk are you using? Almond? Oat milk? <laughs> I'm sorry. Did I look like I was wearing a, a bandana on my head? Do I look like a hippie? No, I'm not using almond milk. No, I'm just using whole milk, 3%, skim, fat-free, doesn't matter. Yeah, whatever works. The cheapest, the cheaper the milk, the better. Yeah. Does it matter how old the milk is? Yes. Do you prefer it to be older? Yeah, yeah. The less, the less it looks like cottage cheese, the better. Okay. Yeah, I just wanted to yeah. clarify. Yeah. Just, just make sure. Don't use curdled milk. Don't use curdled milk. That goose will taste like shit. I don't know but if anyway. it pull the blood out any better or anything like that. I'm not gonna try. I'm not gonna try, man. <laughs> I'm good. Uh, yeah, I suppose. But dude, how was the how was this past waterfall waterfall season for you? Oh, not very good. It yeah. was not very good for me. Um, I I would like to say, you know, can't complain, just living the life, but yeah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> living the dream, but, can't complain. Uh, just living the dream, can't complain. Yeah, there you go. Um, but no, this was by far the worst goose year I've had in like seven years. Oh. By far. Yeah. I think I personally shot about 50, yeah. 50 geese total. Yeah. And normally just in my backyard here, I'll shoot at least 60 oh, wow. in my backyard, just trafficking. You know, yeah. I traffic them into my uh, my sheep pasture. So this was, this was my third season hunting back there and the first two years that i hunted back there i shot 69 <laughs> and then i shot um uh, 49 just in this pasture yeah and then this year i only shot 12 oh damn but there were a couple of flocks i told myself i was going to shoot less geese this year because i got sick of cleaning them and i was just going to ban check yeah so but there were there were a couple of groups that came in the backyard where I was like, I gotta, these yeah. ones can't live, yeah. you know, landed them, band checked them, land them, check them, fuck them. And, uh, you know, they, they just kept hanging out on the ground. So I yeah. went and spooked them up and then I got three, you know, yeah, it was great. But my, uh, you know, I've gotten really picky with my duck hunting the last couple of years. And so my duck hunting has always been, very good at least in my eyes you know i'm a i'm a duck guy and yeah. so if i go out there and shoot two ducks you know i don't shoot my limit i'm just okay as long as they did it just perfectly you know that makes the whole hunt for me one duck just doing it nuts out you know his dick's dragging on the water yeah. as he's coming in like i know that i did my job and fooling his ass so hard thinking that i'm a real Susie. yeah like I'm pumped about that, you know. So I didn't really have too many bad duck hunts this year. That's good. If that makes sense. Yeah. If that makes sense. Are you hunting? How about you? How'd you do? How'd I mean, you do down there? We did all right. Could have been better. I feel like with the first like official year guiding, it was a whole different environment. And I fucked mm. up a lot on just like simple shit that I should have known. Like <clears throat> Oh, really? Like what? I don't know. Just like, just like the spread in general, or like I'd fuck up on like the wind 
or whatever it is, or like where they're sitting in the field. But I mean, we had oh, a, sure. like we had a good overall. Season. I can't complain too much, but like it was just like I don't know. I was just all over the place. My head wasn't there. Can I ask you something candidly? Hmm? So, and I know this comes with being a guide and you can't make everyone happy and whatever, but do you feel like you had generally like very happy clients? Yeah. Yeah. I would say there was yeah. only, there was only like one group that like wasn't super happy. Hmm. And that? well, we shot, we shot like 22 that morning in two bands. We had a group of seven and we did the band draw and handed them out to everybody. And then we were shooting as well. So we're like, yeah, we'll throw in for the band draw, whatever. And uh, Hunter won it and I won it. And I was like, yep, we'll just redraw. No big deal. I don't need both of us winning the band draw. And like four of the guys out of the seven were like, nah, just keep them. It's fine. And then the three other guys didn't say anything. So I was like, whatever. Like, if everyone's okay. And like, I'll totally redraw. Somebody, I told him, I was like, if somebody says something, I will totally redraw. Not that deep. Like, I don't give a shit about shooting, whatever. And they're like, no, you worked hard. Like, keep it. And four guys tipped great. And then at the end of the hunt, the three other guys were just like, nope, no tip. Grabbed their geese and left. And I was like, Oof. I was like, if you said something, I totally would have redrew because I it's not that big of a deal. But like, that's what I was going to ask you about because I swear to God, I read somebody on Facebook or someone told me that you took a, a band out of, from a from a client or something like that. So I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, you know? yeah, oh yeah. And I was like, dude, we can fucking redraw. <laughs> it's not that big of a deal, and nobody said anything besides the four guys, and they're like, yeah, you worked hard for them, whatever. Keep them. Not that big of a deal. So I'm like, all right, whatever. Mm. But now I... Sure. Uh, now, so from that experience then, what did you find out from... Does that make you want to keep shooting on hunts or does that make you want to not shoot on hunts anymore so you don't have that awkwardness and there's no ifs, ands, or buts? Yeah, that makes me want to shoot less yeah. on hunts. Yeah, 100%. And that's the nice thing like with my pup. This year, I'm not going to shoot at all. So I'll just be focused on her and then clients and stuff like that. So I'm not not going to be shooting at all. And I was like, yeah, you know. After that, I didn't put in for, we shot like three more bands and I never put in for any of them because I was like, nope, I'm not doing that again. I'm not going sure. through that hassle. You know, I, that's such a, a hard part because I've hunted with a couple of guides, you know, because guide services will want us to advertise like their hunt club or whatever yeah to bring in more business to their guide service and um i've hunted with a lot of guides that don't shoot at all you know unless it's springs unless it's spring snows yeah you know or unless they know all the clients and whatever and i'm like i like to say that i've guided but it's not it's not my guide outfit so like i'm not really a guide but i've i guided snows for four years with a guy and <clears throat> helped plenty of people guide, like up at feet down, helped Joe Heinz guide, I've helped Nick Johnson guide. You know, I've just helped so many people guide. And what I've learned is there are so many opportunities where it's like, and people are just weird. 
Yeah. People are just weird. You run into some of the weirdest people as clients that are clients. And there's just some people you can't make happy no matter what. And, uh, oh, and then I also guided at Stewart Ranch last year for two weeks, yeah. guiding duck hunts and lesser hunts. But, you know, there's some days where people are just pumped that they shot a duck. And then there's some people who are so angry that they didn't shoot their six man limit, but they still shot 29 ducks in 35 minutes. It's like, hey, man, like, <laughs> it doesn't matter, <clears throat> you know. But then there's people like Nick Johnson have told me stories where, they shot a woody band and Nick knows for a fact that he shot it. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to give it to these guys, you know? They're like, Oh, thanks man. And then he asked later for the band information. He goes, Oh, I think I threw that away after I breasted it by accident. And it's like, you know, that whole, that whole band thing with clients, to guides and people will strip them and all that shit. It's such a weird gray area, fine line of like, you know, if I'm, if I'm guiding clients, I'm probably not going to take the band unless I'm the only one shooting and I shot it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's just my thing on it. Yeah. And yeah. I, I learned after that. I'm like, yeah, you know, I don't need to be in the band drawing. That's just <laughs> like definitely something I don't need to do. Right. Well, cause what does a, what does a band mean to you? No, I could care less if I have a band or not. Right. I mean, obviously, we all want more bands. I think they're yeah. great. And I think it shows like a certain stature of you as a hunter, like you're a better hunter if you have a lot of bands on your lanyard. But at the end of the day, you know, and this is I'm like I said before, I'm nobody, but I know a couple of guys that just have a, a lanyard full of bands and, you know, they can't blow the goose call for shit. And they're just in the perfect area. You know, it yeah. doesn't make them a better hunter than anyone just because they have a lot of bands. They're just fortunate lucky yeah or they're in the right area you know it's just how it goes sometimes so it's like it's whatever in in the five years of doing midwest flyways i have like friends who give me shit they're like oh shouldn't you have more bands and whatever from what you hunt like well yeah i should you know i've lost about 39 band draws yeah <laughs> but, but you know no one's ever gone oh you don't have any bands on your lanyard you must be a shitty hunter to yeah. me oh yeah ever yeah ever you know so i think it's just like this misconception that everyone gets where it's like i need i need this band at all costs you know i'm not giving you shit for that i'm just saying in general it's like yeah that stigma you know oh 100 and yeah Yeah. that's it's such a fine line too like shooting with clients like that's another thing too because like some people are like you're out here like we want you to shoot like i've had plenty of people tell me that and then some are just like, they just kind of stay quiet. I'm like, I like if a small group comes in, I'm not going to shoot. Like, right. if we have like a, like a flock of 20 come in. Yeah. I'll pop off the Browns. Not that big of a deal, but like now with my dog and stuff, I'm just like, yeah, just focus on her, focus on the clients, focus on the birds. Adding the gunfire is just another thing that I don't need to do. Yeah, probably not when she's in her early years, you know. Yeah. It's adding more more bullshit. I wish I would have done that with my dog. I wish I wouldn't have hunted as hard personally bringing her out because now she breaks and all this other stuff, you know, yeah. that you shouldn't be doing. So she's definitely not a guide dog in my opinion. Yeah. You know, she's like a 
I bring two or three friends out into the blind and yeah, just don't shoot my dog, you know, but if I'm running clients, that scares the hell out of me. Yeah. Yeah. That's the you other know. thing. Like if you're going to be running a guided hunt, your dog is not going to break. Like you don't want your dog to break because you don't know who's out there. You don't know what they're going to do. No matter how big of a safety speech you give, they, it just goes right past their head. Yep. See, talking about safety speeches, we used to, I helped my dad build this uh, duck hunting property out west of Minnesota, and it was truly incredible. And he cut septic tanks, the tops off of septic tanks, and buried them in the ground. So it was like a, a metal pit. Yeah. And then essentially mounted dirt around it, and then he put gun hooks in there. Hmm. So there's like eight guys in this, in this, uh, in the septic tank under the ground. And, you know, a flock of geese comes in or something. And as everyone's shuffling their feet and getting ready and whatever. And I'm four. And one guy's gun hook broke. And his gun hit the ground and shot. And pellets were just bouncing all around the septic tank. Like, it was the loudest thing I've ever heard to this day. And Jeez. I got, like, three or four pellets stuck in my neck as a four-year-old. And someone else got really hurt. Uh, they got like a couple of BBs in the side of their chest or it was, it was a nightmare and it was so long ago, but it felt like I got a stung by like three or four bees. It hurt pretty bad. Yeah. But like I could have died. Someone could have died. So it's just that safety speech is so necessary, but there's just acts of God that happen that no one's in control of at the yeah. same time. Yeah. Dangerous shit, man. Especially when you're getting into a pit with people who probably don't hunt as much as you do and they don't know gun safety for the young kid. Oh yeah. Their parents didn't drill it into their head. They're probably going out for their first time a lot of time. That's why they're using a guide. You know, it's scary stuff. Yeah. Oh, even like so A-frames a- too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> and then you add in a young dog, you know, and they're you have geese landing on the ground or something. And they start start shooting the geese on the ground. The dog breaks by accident. Dog's dead. Yeah. Scary oh, yeah. shit, man. Yeah, you hear, <clears> you <throat> hear horror stories like that all the time. Yeah. You know, someone gets shot. Dog gets killed. Dog gets injured. Messed up. Yeah. There's so many things that can go wrong. But you just gotta, like, that's the other thing, too. Like, with not shooting, too. I mean, I can just stay focused on the people there and just make sure that they're doing everything that I talked about and not running into any problems. Yep. So. Exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't know. Exactly. It is what it is. And you just gotta, just gotta figure it out as, as you go and try to teach everybody the right way to do things and don't shoot until I, you to shoot and make sure your gun's pointed in a safe direction and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank, thank God we didn't have anyone shoot before I called the shot this year, though. So I was ready for it. Oh, really? Yeah. That's the worst feeling in the world. Yeah. That's the worst. When I was guiding down at Stewart Ranch, they had a lot of repeat customers, but then I got a lot of their new customers as well. Yeah, and um, I got a group of guys who were just antsy, like they've hunted a lot, and 
they didn't like how I was calling the shot. And so, you know, they, they decided to take a, a shot at 50 yard ringers. And I'm like, and I yelled down the blind and I'm, and like, I'm not even the one like calling the hunt, you know, the, the guy I was hunting with kid, he's a great dude. Yeah. But he's like, yeah, he was like really pissed off that morning. He's like, dude, I don't want to talk to these people. He's like, you, you call the shot and whatever. And I'll just run my dog. He has an unbelievable wild rose dog. Yeah. Katie is just the shit, you know? And, um, these guys shot before the hunt and I just flipped or before I called the shot and I just flipped my shit. I was like, Hey, this is my hunt. You don't get to shoot before I tell you to, you could kill a dog or you could mess something up for the other people that are here. Do not do that. Yeah. I was like, if you do that again, I'm calling the hunt and I will pack you up. Yeah. They're like, well, you should have called the shot on this and that. I was like, doesn't matter. You know, doesn't matter. Yeah. I'm in control here. You are yeah. not. And if you do that again, I will make you leave. <laughs> okay. I was like, if you want to take shots on that, you can tell me that, but you don't just get to shoot. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, we had a, we had a 15 pack of mallards behind them cuffed up. So I don't yeah. know why you're taking that shot. You know, <clears throat> I didn't like those guys. And of course they didn't tip me. So, Oh, of course. Yeah. That's how it always goes. That's another thing. Too, One of the, like, Oh yeah. That's another thing like that I've noticed with people, like they don't know how much to tip or whatever. Like I've had so many people ask, like, what are you supposed to tip guys? Like clients? And I'm like, it's just like it's just like being a waiter or anything else. Like it's like 20%, however good you thought they did, they were paying attention. They're on their phone, give them less. They were doing what they're supposed to do, and then give them what you think they deserve yeah well what do you what do you think you think it's 20 percent? i that's what i usually say if it's a 200 dollars hunt i mean 20 bucks or more guide or total per guy <clears throat> that's what i per guide yeah okay what do you think yeah so what i so i i think it's about 50 bucks a guide and, you know, I mean, if there's like an unreal amount of guides, you know, it's, so I think the most that someone should tip, like is about hundred bucks, or as I should think like the bare minimum, like two guides is pretty common. You know, I think you should tip a hundred bucks. Yeah. You know, but when I was hunting with uh, Jake and Trevor, Jake is Jake and Trevor, are both friends of mine and Jake waived some of the fees for me. And I'm just like, are you sure? He's like, yeah, just give Trevor a good tip. And I was like, mm-hmm. okay. You know, we were out there for, I don't know, four hours in a migrator spread. It's been set for, you know, a week or two. Yeah. You know? Like I've, I've guided these hunts, you know, there's not hardly any work that goes into it other than he's running his dog. Yeah. You know, but I still gave Trevor 60 bucks for three hours. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, you know, and I just think that's what's fair, you know, because they're living off of their tips. Because as you know, if you don't own the operation, you're not making shit. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's not like a pity thing, but it's like a, hey, and he has a great dog. Six and Sage are both great dogs. So, you know, and I really like Trevor as well. Yeah. So, yeah, he did a great job. His dog retrieved all the birds and 
we had a bird land in the spread. And he's like, Joe, go shoot it. My gun clicked and he got away, you know? So, you know, the least I could do is give him an extra 10 bucks. But I think the minimum is 50 bucks to guide. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Cause I mean, cause that's the thing that I always get stuck on is like how much they should be tipping. And so I just kind of make it easy and say 20% of whatever it is. And if like you want to give more, great but I probably wouldn't give less than 20%. Sure. Oh yeah. Definitely not less than 20%. No, no. Yeah. unless they did yeah. a terrible job and like they just weren't there at all. Like then do whatever you want. But that's, that's what I've seen a lot of. Well, I mean, we've had some really great tippers and so can't complain. Yeah, no, they're, uh, those are the best people out there. I had one guy give me 400 bucks for yeah. a hunt. And I'm like, whoa, dude. He's like, no, yeah. Like, do goose calling lesson in the summer. And like, I want to get better on my goose call and all this. And that. I was like, sure. Yeah. Do it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I had to say. Yeah. What's yeah. your opinion on, uh, like for a Canada goose hunter, like a guide, do you think that the guide should be like competition level calling or what? Um, I don't know. Cause I'm, I mean, I'm a good caller, but I'm definitely not like competition in any means. Like I'm a good caller, but I wouldn't say like I could go blow in a competition. And I have a couple of guys that work for me that do competition. So I don't know, like, I think it definitely adds a lot of value, but I definitely think you need to know. I don't know if I'd say full competition, but you need to know how to blow a goose call and, and like understand how a goose call works and not just blow like the same couple flutes every time, like same couple, just things every time. Yeah. Well, the reason I agree, I think the, the reason why I asked you, though, and you're young, so it's interesting to get your opinion on it is because the amount of questions we get and Midwest flyways for young kids are 16 to 20. Where they're like, hey, all I want to do is shoot geese every day. What do I need to do to become a guy? And, um, and I, what I always tell people is get really good at goose calling yeah, and have a good spread and then also go work for a guide. Yeah. You know, learn the ropes and learn how the whole operation works before you start your own outfit. Yeah. Because I don't think you understand what it entails because I will never be a full-time guide. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. I did it for two weeks. I was so burned out. And Stewart Ranch is such an, a great operation. They own 33,000 acres. In oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's incredible down there. So, like, you never have to fight for people for spots. Like you scout, but you're scouting your own property out of a Can-Am or a truck. Yeah. And it's like, okay, we're going to hit this pond tomorrow, you know, and we're going to set out four dozen to eight dozen floaters and in and out, yeah. you know, whereas like a real guide operation up here in Minnesota is so different. You are pounding the pavement. You're spending so much money in gas yeah. and you need an option A, B, and C because everyone's nephew hunts. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And the birds hop so, out like no other. So you have to have oh, all yeah. those options. Yeah, and I think the, the thing that people don't realize about Minnesota is that we're kind of a flyover state. 
Yeah. Especially for ducks. Like you won't see huge feeds in Minnesota for ducks. Yeah. At least not like we used to. And so like people don't understand like, Hey, they're here today and probably gone tomorrow. So we need to hit them now. Yeah. And like give her hell. And if they're gone tomorrow, that's just how it goes in Minnesota. You know, whereas like in Kansas, in Kansas or North Dakota, South Dakota, they're there for a month. Yeah. And you can get their pattern down and you can smack them six days in a row as long as you hunt it properly. So it's like, that's the hard part about guiding Minnesota. So I feel bad for you, you know, (laughs) I would never want to promise people that, yeah, we're going to shoot our limit and we're going to shoot a lot of birds because there's a lot of times where I fail and fail miserably, you know? Yeah. It's a grind. I, I mean, at least we, I know a thing or I like to think I know a thing or two, but apparently yeah. I don't. So, oh. <laughs> but we had uh God, dude, I was watching this one field and I mean, like there was probably like 600 mallards in it, which is like good. It's a good feed for Minnesota. And yeah. they were there watching for two days when it hunted the third day. We saw a total of 60 and we had three come in, killed two of them. Then we had a flock of 20 come in and killed like five of them, killed eight total. And then 40 came in after light and came in. And that's all we saw. Yeah. Yeah. Minnesota for you. Minnesota for I'm guessing now is in middle of October. Yeah, like early, yeah, like early November. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was just so rough. <laughs> this is one of those things. Yeah, I mean, Minnesota is 100% a flyover state. Like, they'll be here for a couple of days, and then they're just gone. Oh, yeah. And if they are here, they're only feeding for, like, under an hour. Yeah. So that's why I like to hunt water so much. Is because they're easier to kill on yeah. water, personally, I think. But yeah. it's also a lot harder to guide six older men on water. Yeah. You know, you need a big boat to transport them out there. Or whatever, you need chairs, you need a really good hide. If you're going to hide on water, it's a lot easier to hide two guys than it is eight guys. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's like anyway. one of the things, like, I rarely hunt water guiding unless it's like i can run an a-frame along the bank because it's just like then you get people that are getting wet and just a whole nother headache and it's just like yeah i don't need that blame you <laughs> I, I don't blame you <clears throat> you know yeah, and so, that guiding stuff is it's fun for like four days a year for me and after that it turns yeah. into a job and i don't want waterfowl to turn into a job for me yeah so yeah, I hear you on that. Did you do you travel out of state at all this year? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Since we started Midwest Flyways, I've been traveling out of state more than ever before, by far. And yeah. it's been so much fun. I spent eight days in Kansas oh, this nice. year, and uh, we had two really good hunts. Yeah. So, but the. You'll see a video on our YouTube at some point here. It'll probably get edited in a month, 
Charlie Coon filmed it because Connor couldn't come down at the last second. My transmission broke down while I was there, so I had to sell five grand out of pocket. Just an absolute nightmare. I was supposed to stay there for like four days and it doubled my trip out of nowhere. So shout out to Tate Hartman and John Ruffy for putting me up for free to uh, <clears throat> help them guide and shoot, whatever, you know. Yeah. And uh, had a hell of a time down there. And then I, I drew my first time for the South Dakota Lottery in eight years. Oh, wow. applying for eight years. Finally hit it. And I uh, had three days of just straight limits of green. It was so much fun. Some of the best duck hunting, field duck hunting I've ever seen in my life. And um, that was an incredible trip. There was 70, there was like 50 to 75,000 mallards hitting that feed every day. And so what we did is we went in there early morning and shot our limit before 9 a.m. every day. And I bet you we didn't see more than 1,200 ducks try to hit the field. So obviously we didn't spook them or anything. And that's exactly what we were trying to do. So we just shot our limit of green heads, a couple of Susies here and there, and then a black duck, which was really nice. And um, yeah, it was some of the best field duck hunting I've ever seen in my life. It was unbelievable. And I, I know I went a couple other places, but it's escaping me. I hunted North Dakota this year with just Cal. And then I met up with uh, Carter and the guys from SmackDown. That was fun. And, um, oh, God, I'm going to get yelled at. Oh, and then I hunted in Nebraska with Keaton Rowe and Derek Helms. That was a fun trip, too. Yeah. But, yeah, I just never hit the migration well at all this year. I went to Nebraska twice, and I was too early or too late both times. Weather was too warm. No migration, no birds there. And then uh, South Dakota was the only time that I hit it perfect. And then Kansas was really warm. There was a lot of birds, but it was way too warm to try to hunt. And so the only time we shot birds in um, Kansas was when it was snowing. First morning I got there, the morning my transmission broke down, we shot a bunch of snows. And then um, shot a bunch of ducks in a snowstorm like seven days later. Oh, nice. Yeah, so I, I traveled quite a bit. I was mainly in the Mississippi Flyway, though. Yeah. Do you yeah. ever stretch out? What about you? Dude, I... This year, I didn't travel at all. Like, like guiding? Yeah, I didn't travel at all. Last year, I did a bunch of traveling, but this year, I... Very limited. I didn't do any. It was terrible. Sucks. That's like, sad. I was, I was going to go down to Texas, but then that didn't play out because I had some stuff going on. And then I was going to go out to South Dakota to hunt snows, but then I had some other shit to do. And so, yeah, school and guiding was just kept me busy. Yeah. I'll like do that to you. Yeah, because it's all fucking in-class bullshit. <laughs> Now that COVID isn't real anymore. Oh yeah, dude! Last year it was so awesome. All online classes, do whatever I want, be gone for however many days, and not not have to worry. Now it's like, oh, you have to be in this class. You can only miss it two times a semester, and so you really got to pick your dates. Yeah, 
Yeah, you were you were gonna ask me if I had traveled out of the uh, Mississippi, out of the Central Mississippi yeah. Flyway ever. Yeah. I mean, I haven't hunted the East Coast yet. I'm dying to do it out there. Yeah. Um, I really want to shoot divers on the Chesapeake. That I really want to do. Um, I've hunted, I've hunted the Pacific Flyway a couple times, but I was pretty young, so no, I haven't. I haven't really ventured that far west yet. It's the Central and Mississippi Flyways is what I've hit, and I've never been to Canada. Yeah, yeah, I'm, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get the vaccine. Yeah, so you know, <clears throat> with a baby and all the crap going on, no one knows what's going on. So I'm not going to do that stuff. So I, I'll, I'll wait to go to Canada. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't blame you at all. And that Chesapeake Bay, I always think of Fred Zink's YouTube video when I think of Chesapeake Bay, and that, that looks, looks cool, rowdy. Mm-hmm. Well, the amount of waterfowl history over there, man, is oh, just yeah. mind. It's just mind blowing. The Haver de Grace Museum. I can't wait to go there. And uh, where's that at? My, that's in Maryland. Okay. Haver de Grace. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's Maryland. I could be wrong. So don't quote me on that. If you could look it up online. So yeah. like all of the old decoy carvers and whatever, like all the market hunting was done on the Chesapeake Bay. And so there you have like a huge museum displayed for um, people to go and look at all the old decoys that are worth like a million dollars. Yeah. You know, that looked like that looked like absolute dog shit. Yeah. You know, but for some reason they're worth a million dollars because some guy used to carve decoys in the 1800s you know just that kind of a deal so they have like all the old sneak boats and they have like all the old swan decoys with like a the boot bag and stuff on the back so you like oh, stand wow. behind a swan decoy like in chest deep water in the chest deep and that's your hide in the middle of the bay so yeah. cool i'm <laughs> dying to do that i'm trying to tell cody from dive bomb to make a canada goose uh body booting decoy yeah. for me to bring out there so that I can hunt geese on the Chesapeake. I think that'd be so cool. Yeah. That would be another world <clears throat> to go do that stuff. Oh, it'd be unbelievable. And I, I wouldn't even know where to start, but my, uh, I have a bunch of family. So my, my dad's side of the family is from the East coast. Okay. And I don't know if this is true or not, but one of the Paluchis, so from his mom's side, um, they got willed the last private land spot that you can shoot the, on the Chesapeake Bay. So it's like a point or something that goes out on the Chesapeake. It's the last private piece that only they can hunt. He was willed that by an old decoy carver and died out on the East Coast. It was like Manny Manford or something like that. Manfred. I can't remember his name, but... Um, and I was like, hey, I'm going to call your bluff and I'm going to come out there and hunt on it. Yeah. So be careful. He's like, no, nope, it's real. Yep. Just come out sometime in December and we'll shoot bluebills for days. I said, that sounds incredible. <laughs> that sounds good. <clears throat> yeah. That, uh, that museum's in Maryland. You were right. Okay. I'm yeah. pretty sure it's in Easton, right? Yeah. It's like right on like the, right on the coast in Maryland. Yeah. I guess uh, like Sierra Lang Bell put it on her story one time that she was in there for like a whole day and it just looked absolutely incredible. And 
I need to go out there sometime. Yeah. That's a, that's definitely a bucket list trip. Yeah. That private land piece. But this sounds pretty cool though. It does. I don't know if it's real or not because he's a talker. So we'll yeah. see. We will. We will see. It's probably zoned in an area that you can't hunt anymore. The problem is out there is, you know, everything's so privatized. And there's so many buildings around. I mean, yeah. in like harbors and whatever. I just don't think that you can hunt from there anymore. But he says that you can. So maybe I'll come back on the podcast and talk about how I got a ticket for shooting ducks illegally on the Chesapeake Bay. Who knows? See how it plays out. <laughs> you know, you never know. Yeah. You never know. It's always a gamble. Yeah, but next year uh, we're planning a trip to Greenland. Oh, jeez! For Midwest, Midwest for Midwest flyways, we're gonna go out there in late January, early February, and we're gonna shoot. Like you can shoot eight king eiders a day. Jeez! And then also you can shoot puffins and. Like all types of birds that we do not see in the United States. So I'm really excited to do that. That's going to be a sponsored trip. <clears throat> We're going to film like a, a longer series video. And that's going to be an incredible trip. That's going to be so cool. Yeah. So when, you say, <laughs> when you're talking about sponsored video, like sponsored trip, how does that all work? How do you kind of get with those people? and figure out how to get it into a sponsorship with companies. Yeah. Like what, what do you tell them? Like you're bringing to the table and then like try to figure everything out on that aspect. So there's a lot of companies that come to us and they say, um, here, we want to push this product, uh, use this product in your videos. And then we give them our media kit that says, we're going to do X amount of, like social media posts and you're going to be like featured in our video. It's going to reach probably this many people and all that jazz. So, you know, there's like a healthy mix of companies that come to us and then companies that we go to when we started Midwest flyways, like there's a lot of companies out there that just use whatever is given to them because it was free or they're paying them, you know, I've been doing waterfowl long enough to where like, I'm so hard on my stuff, man. Like yeah. just terrible to it. My wife gets pissed, you know, Connor and Cal get pissed and they're just like, dude, <clears throat> you need to treat your gun better. You need to treat the decoys better. You need to do this or that. And it's like, dude, I haven't slept in three days. Yeah. I am tired. I'm going to throw my full body goose into the freaking trailer, yeah. you know? I'm going to, I'm going to do it. And if you can't hold up to the task, I'm going to stop using it, you know? And so what I told those guys or, and what we've all adapted, like what we all just said is like, I only want to use stuff that I like using that I want to use and that will hold up to the test of Joey, you know, because I'm just terrible on this shit. Yeah. Just terrible. So if you see me using something for longer than a season, you know, it can upset like just last a really long time, but then also um, that I actually want to use it. So that's the cool thing about Midwest Flyways is we've only chosen to work with people that we want to work with. Yeah. So, and that resulted in a lot of waiting sometimes, you know, like I was waiting for certain brands 
and whatever. And you had to build a certain following and like you had to have a certain reach on social media and blah, blah, blah. You know how it goes. And so, but I mean, that's, that's what I mean is like, you have to, a lot of people want to push videos and reels and TikTok and all this and that. And so people, um, yeah, you got to have a a decent sized following. You got to be genuine about how you push the product and then re actually use it. Yeah. You know, and subtle, subtle marketing is where it's at these days, you know? Yeah. Gone are the days of TV ads where it's like, I always think of heavy shot. Heavy shot. I didn't come this far to miss. Yeah. You know, it's like, eh, shut up. You know, <laughs> it's like, dude, you're going to use a waterfowl load. And what people care about is how much does it cost and does it go boom? Yeah. You know, 100%. 99% of the time, if you miss, it's because of you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. The only time that I've really seen it make a difference is when I'm hunting in December in Fergus and you've got a geek, a goose that's 55 yards up and you can hear the pellets bouncing off of its stomach. Yeah. That's the only time that I've like noticed a huge difference, but should you be taking that shot at 55 yards? Probably not. Yeah. Anyway, you know, you get them into the kill hole, which is 30, like I'd say 40 yards coming into the decoys, 30 to 40 yards. If you're having a problem with your shotgun shell, stop using that shotgun shell. Pretty much anything else will work. Yeah. Oh, you know, I used, I used three shots for ducks and geese all season long and I killed the shit out of them. So yeah, yeah. it's all yeah. good. Yeah. You don't need a, like you see guys that are using BB for everything, double B and it's like, that's just not necessary. No, no, but they're probably, not decoying birds at the same time either so yeah that is true yeah but i did i did shoot a couple i shot like some boss shot and that shit really crunches yep that's oh, the, boss is a good load man yeah boss is a really good load i love shooting uh 20 gauge boss yeah the shit crunches you know but at the same time it's like, like, I love shooting a 20 gauge, man. I love shooting a 20 gauge. And I shot my 20 gauge all season long, unless it was too dirty and I didn't have time to clean it. Then I'd grab my Benelli 12 gauge. But, <clears throat> dude, you get, a, you get a bismuth load or a tungsten load, you yeah. are going to wreck yeah. that bird. Crunches oh, yeah. their ass. But yeah, yeah, Lee Jost is an awesome dude. I love yeah. Lee. I've learned a lot just talking to him. And then um, Boss makes a good shell. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you just can't beat it. Yeah, because I, I used some, I had a client that's like, you got to try this out. And I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll try it out. Sure. And it, it really crunched it up. So I talked to Lee before on the podcast and he was telling me about it. I'm like, yeah, I got to go buy some. And it's, it's a hell of a shell. Yeah, it, it helps a lot that he's a hunter and everyone who works there is a hunter. So they did a lot of testing beforehand. Yeah. And a kid and a, a kid I've had on my podcast, Simon, he was shooting the prototypes for that. And he was just blown away. Yeah. He's like, this shit is unreal, Joe. I was like, yeah. OK. Yeah. You know, it is good shit. Oh, exactly. It is. And uh, I want to hear more about 
the Midwest Flyways podcast and how how you like running your own podcast. How so? Be a little bit more specific with that. Like <clears throat> the people that you get to talk to or, you know, the stories that you get to hear and stuff like that. Like what makes you want to do your podcast? Um, the way we started it, uh, this might get me into a little bit of trouble, but the way we started it is we started it almost three years ago now. And I would listen to waterfowl podcasts. I never listened to podcasts, period. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? We're doing this company here. I should listen to what other people are doing in the industry. And the podcasts that I were listening to, man, were so boring and were so scripted. You yeah. know, no one talks shit about anything. Yeah. It's like, like they're sponsored by certain companies. And if you hunt at all, like you would not be talking good about that product. Yeah. You know, it pissed me off. It's like yeah. you're, you're actively misleading people because you are getting paid by this person probably, yeah. you know? And I'm just like, you know what, <clears throat> you know what? I'm going to start an authentic podcast where we, we just give people the beans. Yeah. We're just the real deal. And yeah, of course we have sponsors on our podcast and whatever, but like I said before, I'm not going to work with a sponsor unless I believe in it. Yeah. You know, I don't care if they're giving me 50 grand a year. I'm not going to use your product. If it sucks and I'm going to have a hundred thousand people messaging me about it all season. Yeah. You know, I'm just not, I'm just not going to deal with that. So, um, you know, and I just, I just like heard this like tone and everyone doing waterfall podcast. I'm like, dude, that is so fake. Yeah. You're not swearing. Like, or do you even waterfall? Hunt? <laughs> like if you, I'm not saying that you have to swear to yeah. like, run a waterfall podcast, but at the same time, like, why are you, it's like, it almost, it didn't feel authentic and genuine. Oh yeah. You know? And that was like the main, the main reason why I started, why we started our podcast. And, um, you know, we just wanted to make it feel like people were in the blind with us and just talking bullshit and whatever. Like, it's not always talking about hunting, but that's what I always try to circle back to. I have severe ADHD. Yeah. And so I will get off on a tangent and I will forget why we even started the conversation, you know? So, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like half the fun of hunting with your buddies, half the fun of waterfowl hunting, period, is you get to hunt with your best friends. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. And what do, what do people talk about in the blind when they're hunting? Fart jokes, who they had sex with last week. They're showing Instagram pictures of this hot girl that they're with, you know? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. What, you know, you're just talking about the most obscene shit. And it's just like bullshit. if people want to yeah. listen, yeah, if people want to listen to a waterfowl podcast, they want to feel like they're in the blind and that's what people are talking about in the blind. You know, they want to hear about really cool stories. They want to hear about people's experiences hunting. They want to hear about what works for people in different areas of the country. And they're going to try it in their area probably. Yeah. You know, I don't want to hear about the person who's paying you 10 grand a year to sponsor your podcast, even though I know that decoy crumples in negative 10 degree weather. Yeah. You know, I don't care. And yeah. I, and at that you lost me and I'm done with it. Yeah. So that was the main reason why we started our podcast. And plus there was a demand for it at the time. Now there's a shitload of waterfall podcasts, you know? Oh yeah. <clears throat> there was only like five 
at the time, three to five when we started ours. Yeah. Yeah, so, not many. But yeah, it's, it's been really fun. And it's a really good excuse to uh, get together with Cal and Connor, which are two of my best friends. You know, it's an excuse for us to get together once a week and, and uh, just bullshit. And like, I, I mean, we don't drink heavily. I'm pretty much the only person who drinks on our podcast, you know. <laughs> Just because they both drive to my house. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, no, it's a, it's a really good time. And I really enjoy listening or uh, not listening. I really enjoy doing it. It's fun. And then the guests that we've had on are just incredible. Yeah. You know, oh, it's yeah. so much fun to like get, um, get on their level and just like ask them really good questions, you know, and no offense. I like to ask them better questions than how did you get into hunting? Yeah. You know, I do a little bit of um, digging into the person and I find out, you know, like some not well-known facts and whatever. And, you know, I, I like pulling certain things out of people and just, we've got some really cool segments on our stuff. Like what's the craziest thing that's ever happened on a hunt? Like what's, Something you would change about the waterfowl industry? Do you think it was better before social media or after? You yeah. know, depending on who the person is and just shit like that. You know, it's it's fun to hear everyone's perspective on that stuff. You know. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 If have you have you listened to a bunch of episodes or no? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, if you haven't listened to it, I would listen to. Um. The Forest Carpenter and Kyle and uh and Kyle when they were both working for Dive Bomb. Yeah. That was a really good episode. That was like one of my favorite I've ever done. And then um my second favorite was probably um Stan Guzzi. So he's like the OG hunter man. And he's not like huge on social media or anything, but I grew up hunting with him. And he's just been in the industry. Like he was hunting with Jim Ronquist well before he started doing RNTV. You know? Okay. Yeah. Like he's a, he's an OG. Like he watched Zink grow up and he knows everything about Tim Grounds because he shared a blind with him in Crab Orchard, you know? Yeah. And it's just like, like he is a wealth of knowledge and I just picked the shit out of his brain. And I have such a fun time doing that podcast. Yeah. You know, so it's really cool to get on guys who know way more than me and that I also have somewhat of a sentimental connection with, you know. Yeah, 100%. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Pretty I, cool. So I know, you've had some pretty great guests on your podcast, too. Yeah, I mean, I've been luckily enough to have some people that are willing to take their time. Like, I talked to Ben Potter from Fun 41 and Can Outdoors, and that dude is just a wealth of knowledge just oh, yeah. film and everything like that it's just like he could only he could only talk for like 45 minutes that day but it was just like you could have talked to that dude for two days in a row and just learned so much oh yeah dude i've been saying for years that connor is like the most slept on videographer in the waterfowl industry yeah like he's so good at telling the story, the guy who does all of our videos. Yeah. The other owner of Midwest Flyway other than Cal. And uh I'd say there's only two people that are 
as good or better than Connor, and Ben Potter is definitely one of them. He's yeah. so good, dude. Oh my He's God. so good. He seems so down to earth, too. Yeah. He's just like, yeah, he's so down to earth and just so easy to talk to and just willing to just give a wealth of knowledge out. Just because he's just, he's so good. Like, I just, all, everything he films is just incredible, in my opinion. Like, all the Hunt 41 films are just like the stories that he tells in them, whether they're shooting a ton of birds or not, it's just crazy. But he does a really good job with that video series, dude. That shit is so cool. Yeah. I love that series. Uh, fun, fun known fact. He, uh, remember the Dr. Duck videos? Yeah. Um, so the first one that he did with Sitka when Dr. Duck was still with Sitka, Ben Potter filmed that. Yeah. And what, right when we were thinking of filming Midwest Flyways and starting Midwest Flyways, that video came out. And uh, we all watched it, and we all wanted to have the same video quality that Ben Potter did with Dr. Duck, where he told that story so well, and yeah. the video production was so cool. Like, it captivated me where I was like, fuck, yes. That's what I want to do. That's what I want to do. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Right. So, yeah, Ben Potter, I would love to get him on my podcast, man. Yeah. <clears throat> He's so cool. It's so cool. And you know, the, and like, this is literally zero offense to you, but like when we started our podcast, um, you know, it was right before COVID. And so like with COVID, everyone's doing zoom calls and over the phone podcasts and a lot of people's audios are just shit. Yeah. You know, and it, it makes me turn off the podcast, Yeah, you know, where I'm like, okay, I can't hear. They're talking over each other because there's a lag. and whatever and it's like ah this fucking sucks to listen to and when i heard all the other people doing their podcast they just call people and of course people are just going to take a phone call yeah you know it's like yeah I'll, I'll get on your podcast for an hour hour and a half whatever but when the way we run our podcast is i really try to do damn near every single one in person yeah just because that that connection with someone across the table for you as you're sharing a beer or whatever is just so better and you can really key in on all their facial expressions and everything. It's just so much better. It's night and day. Yeah. You know? So that's when I heard people getting these guests on that I was super pumped to listen to and I can't fucking hear it. Yeah. I'm like, damn it, dude. Like, why did I even turn this on? Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's It sucks for me. But at the same time, then you're going to run into scheduling conflicts. You have to be in the same state. A lot yeah. of people are not from the same state. Yeah. yeah. So it's like you have to catch people on the fly and then half the time you can't get them on, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. like a game fair. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, you're good. It's like a game fair. I was, I got, Sean Stahl was like, yeah, dude, I'd love to get on your podcast and whatever. I was like, okay, so I can bring my podcast board here to game fair. Or you can come over to my house, which is 20 minutes from Game Fair, one of the nights, and whatever, and blah, blah, blah. And it just didn't work out because, you know, whatever. It's like, yeah. shit. You know, that's one of those things. But at the same time, I don't want to get Sean Stahl on the phone. I want to get him in person yeah. to where we're right across the table from each other. So that one, audio is good, too. 
like we have that in in person connection and yeah we're good to go you yeah. know uh, oh 100 yeah and i mean if i could have a setup like that because i mean at my house right now i could never do like in-person stuff and i try to do it if i can like if i go with outfitters and whatnot try to record with them in person but like it's just so tough like and that's the great thing about you guys i mean you're right there you're talking to them you can see everything that's going on like it's so much different than being in person 100 percent, dude and and you know it's that it's like i'm not giving you too much shit your audio on some of your podcasts have just been oh they're fucking dog shit yeah yeah it's it's yeah. tough dude <laughs> no, it's you not know, like i want to i want to support i want to support you i like you a lot you know and all this stuff yeah. and i want to hear what a forest carpenter has to say what a ben potter has to say but yeah. if i hear any feedback or whatever it's just like oh god oh, yeah. you know this is just i, I don't have time yeah for oh it, yeah you know a hundred percent that's one of the things i had to figure out is because now with the zoom it makes it a lot the sound quality and everything makes it so much better if you do it over really yeah is what i found out because i mean it was really rough like doing it over the phone and stuff because it was just like there's just so much shit that just goes into it and it's like you can only like try to tune it so much where it's like it's just tough and i really ran into a problem of my sound quality was horseshit horseshit (laughs) it was terrible (laughs) I don't know how anyone listened to a couple of the early episodes because it was fucking horrible. I'm a hundred percent with you, but now it was pretty bad. Oh yeah. No, a hundred percent. It was fucking horrible. But now with like (laughs) zoom and stuff like that and really figuring out like Adobe edition and all that kind of stuff and doing a bunch of research on it. Now you can kind of figure it all out and make that sound quality a lot better. Cause yeah, I mean, having great guys on the podcast but if the sound quality is horseshit it's like you can't do anything and my dad would rip my ass about it he's like nobody's gonna fucking listen to your podcast if somebody like it's crackling the whole time like nobody wants to listen to that and i'm like yeah 100 percent. i need to figure it out and so it took me a little bit but i think i uh i think i figured it out now hopefully it's not too bad for my listeners good I'm glad you got that figured out, dude. That's why I'm so grateful for Connor, man. This guy went to college for videography, photography. So he knows all about audio, video production, everything, lighting, all that shit. Yeah. And I don't have to worry about it one bit. And I just, (laughs) Connor, if you're listening to this, I fucking love you. And you, Mm -hmm. but you already know that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Because I am a dinosaur when it comes to technology. The fact that I figured out how to download Zoom on my phone and do this, do this is just incredible. You know? Yeah. Just just a whole Snapchat different world. is difficult for me. Yeah. Snapchat is difficult for me, you know. <laughs> I'm surprised you even post on Instagram. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's why the captions have gotten shorter on our Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, dude yeah so i mean that's that's definitely one of the things of the podcast though is the sound quality needs to be there or else nobody's gonna listen exactly exactly but no but um i probably got about five more minutes for you before i need to go to bed i gotta wake up early for work here yeah so no worries yeah i mean 
Do you, I was going to say, because we're about an hour 30 right now, and it's been, it's been an absolute oh, wow. blast having you on. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for having me, dude. Yeah, dude. And uh, anything, I always ask, you know, what's one last question, if something we didn't cover that you'd want to talk about? Um, yeah, it's not necessarily a question. It's more of like, or I'm asking a question to you and yeah. your viewers is um with nowadays with the media being censored and controlled when we first started midwest flyways man all of our videos would get anywhere from 50 to a million views you know 50,000 yeah. to 300,000 views and yeah. now in the last 2 years there's been a serious downtick and even people who are subscribed to our YouTube channel are like, I didn't even see the last six videos that came out. I'm oh, like, wow. interesting. So I just noticed like a steady decline in views, but our subscribers keep going up. Yeah. And it's like interesting. And our podcast has a bunch of people listening to it. And so it's one of those things where I'm like asking people with all these paid services like The Roost and um, uncut outdoors that Bobby Guy does with Flair and the Guggen Squad, whatever. Yeah. Like it, it makes like I'm getting to a point with this thing where it's like, okay, you know, I want to switch it to like a paid platform where people have to pay three to five bucks a month to watch the podcast. Anytime we put out a video, we can put it out exactly how we want to. We don't have to worry about YouTube guidelines of like, yeah swearing there's guns in the title there's guns in the photo you know stuff like that yeah. there's just it's become overwhelmingly liberal so what i'm wondering what i've been asking people as i'm giving goose calling lessons and duck calling lessons in the off season is how willing are people to pay for a service so like if people were to pay five bucks a month to watch a podcast on waterfowl and to watch really good produced hunts where it's not a GoPro on the head, like it's a well-produced video. Um, like how willing are people, are you and other people to like get that kind of content so that we don't have to put it on YouTube and, um, you know, be subjected to their censorship, their suppression of videos because that's a big thing that they're doing yeah. is they're just suppressing the algorithm like you're not being viewed by random people who aren't subscribed to your youtube channel and they're hiding you from your subscribers you know so yeah. it's like how willing are people to pay for a platform to get better content yeah. and then also um more of it because we're getting paid more to do it yeah yeah no i think i think it definitely wouldn't be a bad thing to do i mean just so you can post videos how you want to and post things that people like to watch and not have to worry about all the bullshit that goes with it and then also like the biggest thing for me is if i like if i were to pay for something like that like your goose calling tips or duck calling tips whatever it is like that would be very beneficial to watch that and see what you guys have going on as well just just to add more to, you know, my brain. And that would be the biggest thing for me is like, I can go learn from it, but also I can go watch a bunch of really cool videos. Sure. You know, but, but there's a thing, you know, there's, 
God knows how many other waterfowl YouTubing YouTubers out there. And so if they're getting that for free, yeah, what, what makes them want to pay for the service, you know? Yeah. That, yeah. that's the thing that we're constantly running into is like, okay, you know, Scott and Joe have the roost and Bobby has uncut outdoors and, but he's still posting videos on YouTube as well. He's just putting his better stuff on uncut outdoors. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just like, what is the market for? Is there a market for it or is there not a market for it? That's yeah. what I'm wondering. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think there's a market for it as long. I feel like it's how loyal are your subscribers? That's like how mm-hmm. I would look at it is like, are your people really wanting to watch your stuff? Are they really wanting to know who you are, learn from you, take advice from you, stuff like that? Because you look at the roost and it's like you have Scott who's giving a bunch of really solid information. Joe's having these great videos, giving a bunch of good stuff. And so you look at that and it's like, yeah, you know, I'd I'd subscribe to that. I'd learn from it. They've got a bunch of stuff. Have you subscribed to the roost? Yeah, I have. Yeah. You like it? Yeah, I like it. And I think they got a bunch of really valuable information on there. I think so too, you know, and th- this is just me personally. Like I, I have a really hard time listening to waterfowl podcasts. Personally, I have a hard time listening to podcasts in general. Yeah. And pretty much the only podcasts that I, that I watch are ones that I can watch. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So like I, if I'm driving, and this is terrible, but like if I'm driving four hours to go hunt somewhere, I'm going to put my phone on my magnet in my car vent and I'm going to have on the Joe Rogan podcast, or I'm going to have on the Chris D'Elia podcast, something that'll make me laugh or something that I'll yeah. learn from. But I really get off of on people's facial cues and what they're doing yeah. with their hands. Like, dude, I'm Italian. Like, I, yeah. I talk with my hands <laughs> all the time. You know, it's just, yeah. it's like that same person to person experience. You know, I need that experience where I can look someone in the face as they're talking and see their facial expressions. You know, I hate texting. I need to call people to understand what they're saying because I can misread a text eight ways to Sunday. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, so, so like me personally, I'm totally down to, like if my favorite podcast, the Chris D'Elia podcast, went only to like a paid program, I would totally pay five bucks a month to watch his podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I love that content, you know. So that's just the thing where it's like, you know, yeah, I think you're right. It's how loyal are your subscribers and how badly do they want to watch your stuff? You know, yeah. I guess that's what it comes down to, huh? Yeah. And how, like, how they look at you and, like, the information that you're giving out, like, like Ben Potter with his films, like, they're unbelievable. How am I going to learn from them? Connor, how can I learn from his films? How can I learn from his photography? How can I learn from you? and your duck calling, goose calling. Like, that's the kind of stuff that I would look into. Sure. You know. Good insight. Yeah. It's good to know, you know. Because Connor truly is a master in his field, and there are, yeah, shit, 100 people a month, maybe more, that ask him what camera he's using, 
you know, what lens he's using, how do they separate the audio on two different channels, what kind of mic yeah. he's using, you know. And then the amount of people that ask me what call I'm using in that video is astounding, even it's, though I yeah. say it at the very beginning <laughs> of the video. And it's like, hey, man, first of all, Google. Yeah. If I could give if I could give anyone advice who comments on YouTube videos, Instagram yeah. posts, Facebook posts, TikTok, TikTok, yeah. dude. Oh, my God. We, we had a video go viral on TikTok. It had like 4.8 million views and 800,000 likes about yeah. me asking for permission from a farmer down the road for me. And <clears throat> every video after that, I'll say in the video, hey, this is a bulky reflex or whatever I'm using for a goose call. Here's how you do the quick spit. And I shit you not, there will be 14 comments of what goose call is that? yeah uh stop it i mean hey hey man what shotgun should i buy hey man what shot shells should i be buying hey man what camo is best is Sitka really worth the money does filson feel good does google go into the store try it on why are you asking me when you could easily just go you're not going to take my word for it anyway you're going to yeah. try it on at the store you're going to put it up to your shoulder you're going to shoot it one time stop it yeah stop yeah but i still answer them i still answer every single instagram message <laughs> uh just brutal i don't uh, get paid enough for that chance yeah. i don't get paid shit i hear you on that brother so i hear you on that but yeah dude that was an absolute blast i really appreciate you jumping on yeah dude good talking to you yeah good talking to you you're so gonna have to have me on and you're gonna have to come down to Mankato next year. Maybe you know one of my one of my good buddies, Derek Helms. I'm sure you've seen his stuff on Instagram. Oh yeah, his Derek's dad. Awesome. His dad is an absolute riot of a human being, and he is like one of our biggest supporters, man. And I love him to death. And he lives in Mankato, yeah. and I need to. I need to go down there and hunt with him or I just need to have him up here, you yeah. know, because he's just the shit. So I am planning on coming down to Mankato and when I come down there, I'll let you know. Yeah, because I ran into Derek without even realizing it down in Mankato. It was two years ago and then I started talking to him to more this year. He's like, pretty sure I ran into you at like whatever restaurant. I'm like, oh shit, yeah, I remember that now. <laughs> and it was him and his dad. <laughs> and then I then I got to know Derek a little bit. And yeah, Derek's awesome. You should have him on your podcast if you haven't had him on already. He is yeah. just, he is like one of my favorite people on the planet. And then also he is a fucking riot dude. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's a great guy to have on your podcast. He's hilarious. Yeah. I've been talking to him about it a little bit because I got to figure out when uh, we can schedule it. Cause yeah, I've talked to him a bunch and every time I talk to him, I just laughing my ass off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's very good at the photography videography side too and he's worked for some unbelievable people in the industry and i mean he's 25 he's 25 yeah. years old yeah 26 maybe yeah and he's 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 an old soul and a young body for yeah. sure he's just a hoot <laughs> i love him to death oh yeah brother 
Well, yeah, I really appreciate you jumping on and uh, get some good rest tonight. All right, bud. You too. Thanks. All right, brother. I'll see you later. Bye. See you, bud.